it's not so easy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Good evening. No. <laughs> okay. All right, take three. It's evening um, where I am, but it's sort of yeah. afternoon where you are. Good evening. No. Hello. <clears throat> yes. This, this is the BBC. This is Holmes Movies. You have tuned in to the new podcast that has been remade in the image of me, your host, Adam Holmes. Joining me from Denmark over Zoom is my idiot kid brother, Anders Holmes, who's not an Hi. idiot. <laughs> His nose a Hello. lot more. A lot more. Yeah, exactly. Fat, drunk, and stupid. There's no way to go through that. Um, no, he, uh, my, my my brother who knows much more about movies than I do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Anna Sounds. Um, hey, how's everybody doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, hey. Anyway, so, yeah, so how, do, how do we like how do we like this remake where I read the the thing? I think you should go back to reading the thing. <laughs> it was worth that. a shot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that's what uh, we're talking about today, right? Yes, remakes. Remakes, not the best remakes, but we're talking about films that need or deserve a remake or that we would just think would be fun to remake. remake. Um, uh, so, uh, so yeah, so we, I think, um, you know, I should state at the top that I personally am largely against remakes. And um, I feel like you feel largely the same as I do about this. <laughs> Well, Adam, leak is... A, I mean, sorry, no, I fucked up the joke. Well, remake is a very disgusting word, Adam. <laughs> that, wasn't, that was crap, but yeah, okay, great. <laughs> okay, well, three, people might get, three people might get what you're trying to do. <laughs> like, just, just, just move on. I don't think you're going to be able to shoe on your general Melcher impression into the... the um... <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I mean, these days, remakes, reboots, redos, they're kind of the big thing to do. I feel like if if it gets people into cinemas, if it gets buttons, butts and seats, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like, I don't know, John Carpenter, he was talking, because someone asked him a question when he was at the New York Film Academy, and he asked, like, what did you think about the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween? And he's, you know, he got into the what he thought about the remake, but he was sort of talking about, like, how, like, you know, sometimes when a film gets remade, it might get I'm sort of paraphrasing what he was sort of getting at, but it's it might get people to sort of feel like, oh, what is this film that they're remaking? Maybe I should try and look at, try and find it and give it a give it a watch or something. So if it like watch the original, you mean? Yeah, watch the original film. So if it like if it's a film that already has like a strong IP and it makes people uh, see, you, you said the buzzword. I was just thinking, oh, that bleh, strong IP. Oh, you sound like a character on Succession. My goodness. Okay, yeah, I'll carry on. Uh, it might make people actually you know what who just complete non sequitur you are cousin greg what from succession from succession i haven't seen six who's, who's... Right, any listeners watching <laughs> and this is cousin greg anyway carry on might actually make me watch the show now to see if, if that makes sense i think it does anyway um yeah no i get what carpenter's saying and i think that i mean it is as you know like i don't I don't like, and I'm not alone in this, the way in which cinema since the late 70s has become this constant series of movies that need to fill, that need to sell out. Um, and, you know, and in doing so, hew closely to sort of a more conservative storytelling um, technique. So that's basically either continuing franchises 
or doing remakes. Uh, it's very rare, I feel like, in the last few years that we've seen a major blockbuster or a major kind of um, emergent successful film that comes out of either um, a book you know, or just its own imagination. I mean, you look at, I mean, I know it's a stupid movie to use as an example, but you look at something like Armageddon, right? Armageddon did incredibly well when it came out in 1997, eight. eight. And it's not, I mean, it's not a good film, in my opinion. I know you love it, so we'll just leave that it's there. An but absolute classic, and it's part of the Criterion Collection. It's not. I think it is. It's not. If it is, I'm handing in my criterion. <laughs> anyway, the rock, the rock is part of the Criterion Collection as well. I think. What the? What do you mean, the Rock? Rock, the, the Dwayne Dwayne Johnson, or the, <laughs> the movie, The Rock? Losers it's not always whine about. <laughs> You're winding me up. Losers always whine whine about doing their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. I don't believe you. Anyway, look, that's, well, that's off track. But what I, can, I can fact check this later. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just trying to say that Armageddon has never been remade. Is you, it is, uh, rightly or wrongly, acknowledged as a classic. Yes, it is shown on television. It did very well when it came out. And it is a film. Yeah, it's an end of the world asteroid movie. It's not the most original thing in the world, but it's not part of a franchise. It's not a remake. And it's not based, you know, it's not based on a tv show or something it's just a film that was made you know out of the the you know the ether and it's just like these days i don't believe that you know the the field is so crowded with franchises and with with um with these yeah ips as you say and um and it even hurts the films that i think you know there are films that come out that are remakes like the invisible man movie that we were just talking about offline and it feels like even those films can't get past this kind of bottleneck of of uh, marvel and disney and and so on so anyway th that's my kind of complaint and so i feel like um i'm pro anything that can kind of change like shake up the landscape a little bit and um you know that's why i love films like parasite where i love films like get out mm -hmm. or you know, films that just feel like they're um original but um but well, the new, well the oh, new sorry, michelle uh, yo film everything everywhere all at once that's supposed to be like the, the most like that's like an incredibly original film that seems to be right. going pretty well with audiences and i feel like if that film is successful and word of mouth keeps that film you know the interest of that film being talked about online i guess that will do wonders for other films that you know for other filmmakers you know from all all walks of life and you know to to make to make their films and tell their stories i think that is an incredible thing and i feel like you know it's that's great i mean that gives me hope in so many ways i mean as much as i like blockbuster movies and i think they're fun they do take up quite a lot of space like i mean there was a person like online showing a picture from like an amc cinema where the new marvel doctor strange movie like took up like 20 like timeline times time slots that's so depressing. I think I, I saw that. I mean, I mean, it's like, I mean, like, it, I mean, it, I mean, I mean, there's also, like, I mean, there's like, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, he was talking about this in the New Yorker podcast. He was like saying like, I mean, if, you know, if, if people are going to the cinema, like millions of people are going to the cinema to see No Way Home and keeping the lights on. Yeah, that's good. But at the same time, it, it does sort of, you know, it's, it pushes a lot of other films to the side where they, you know, and, you know, it, it makes them harder to find. And then you would have to go to like, right. 
a indie cinema or like a smaller place to find those films where they're playing all the time because they have their core audience and stuff. Or they just get streamed and disappear into the internet. You know, it's like they don't even really have a big major release. Yeah, they disappear into the ether. And then there's a lot of people being like, oh my God, why was why 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 wasn't this film more successful? Why were we like, well, because you didn't go fucking watch it in the cinema, you idiot. Yeah, you didn't pay for a ticket. Well, and, and 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 you know, and the marketing uh, team, the marketing budget for Marvel is bigger than the marketing budget for IFC films, for example, or, you know, anything that it, like, it's just, that's, that's the fucking evil of capitalism that infects everything. Um, sorry, it's, it was Karl Marx's birthday yesterday, but, um, like, it's just, um, it's, just, it is, it, it's also the way in which these films, you know, they do take up the talent, you know, that, and not just the filming, like the the cinematic talent, the the cameramen, the cinematographers, the actors, but also the talent of producers, of creative, uh, business people who are who are there to sell and distribute movies. So it's like, I, I guess at some point the bubble's got to burst. But anyway, I mean, um, I mean, I've been sort of trying to write my review of Doctor Strange. I mean, I've been sort of thinking that comic books may go the way of the Western. I'd have no idea. Yeah, I mean, comic book movies, not comic books in general. There will always be comic books, but I feel like superhero films at some point, because I feel like, what? Okay, I'm just sort of bringing an example of Doctor Strange when there's, you know, they do like these little post-credit scenes in the film. That's very annoying. Yeah, to sort of tease, like, you know, yeah. you have to sit in the credits to like wait and see yeah. a tease for like the next film that they got planned. In one of the in one of the credit scenes that they had was a character played by a well-known actress. I recognize the actress because I've seen her in a bunch of films, but I just didn't know the character. I was like, who the hell is that? What is that? What is that supposed to be about? It's it's over and then it's the rest of the credits. And then the part the, the only people who got it are the people who know the comics and also the two people who got really excited who were sitting in the row ahead of me, who I think were Americans. Mm. Um so I feel no, like I mean the comic book films, they I mean, yes, they're very popular, but I feel like at some point they are going to alienate a lot of people and also the thing is if you have to like go in and see a sequel to Doctor Strange but then you have to watch like 27 other films and a TV show before you go see that film it, you, that is going to create problems down the line I think at some point that is going to create a lot of problems yeah I mean I think it's it's uh, it, there is a there is a groaning weight of content and I think eventually people will start to get turned off it's like any fashion and it, and it feels like a boom industry it really feels like they're just trying to get as many of these dollars in from this while the interest in it lasts i mean but anyway um yeah i mean it's the same thing with like michael bay when he produced the texas chainsaw massacre when he produced the texas chainsaw massacre back in 2003 that started like a whole whirlwind of horror remakes in the 2000s like there was like you know you had nightmare on elm street friday the 13th prom night amityville horror like every other classic film that wasn't like The Exorcist or The Shining or anything else like that was getting remade, like, you yeah. know, being done for a new audience. But the thing that was, the problem was, is that they were just kind of doing this. They weren't really doing anything with them. They were, I mean, some of them were good and some of them were fun, but they weren't really, they were just kind of cherry picking certain elements that they thought were really cool and just doing it with like better technology and things like that. So what are your least favorite remakes? Um, probably uh, that's a good question, actually. That's a really bad remake. I didn't like the Nightmare. There are good ones. True there Grit. Are, True Grit is a good remake. Ocean's Eleven is a good remake. It um, yeah. it takes away the racism of the 1960s version and makes it fun. Yeah, 
Well, and it's also just a cracking script and brilliant. Yeah, exactly. You got, and also you got um, a great director, great cast, and just it's a, just a fantastic, yeah. fantastic movie. I can watch oh, that, that movie. Yeah, I know that's a wonderful remake. But, but in terms of really bad remakes, like I, I guess I, I guess I stay away from a lot of them. Like I haven't seen the new West Side Story because I'm like, is this really? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. The one remake I didn't really like was the remake of Le Visiteurs, which is called Just Visiting, where it's French nights in Chicago in modern day. That's fucked, Ugh, and that's it's ridiculous. and it's John Renault and the other actor from *The Visitor* in that film. That's stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of um, there's there's the classic, you know, Hollywood thing of like a foreign film comes out and then they decide to remake it in the U.S. with an American cast. Um, old boy, I tend old, to... oh, Spike Lee's *Old Boy* remake was bad, right? Yeah, it's like, I, I I I tend to sort of um, steer clear of them. Um, I'm really trying to like rack my brain. I'm sure I'll think of stuff as we go through, but we should probably embark on the list because that is after all what people tuned in for. Um, Let's look at the list. Yes. Uh, you sound like a subway announcer. I love that. Um, um, also, I will say this. One Michael Bay remake that just came out recently, Ambulance, It's really good. What's that a remake of? It's a remake of a Danish film called Ambulance. Oh, it's a very it's a very obscure Danish film with Thomas Bolt Larsen, which came out in like 2005, and it got remade by Michael Bay. Well, I never. Um, it's a, it, like the Michael Bay film. It's like, it's got all the Michael Bay isms. It's got the Bayhem and everything. Come, it's absolutely entertaining. Already such a topic of conversation. Oh, I it's, an, it's an absolutely entertaining film. It's like I can't do this. I'm not a doctor. Well, I didn't want to have herpes, but we work with what we got. You froze. Wait, 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 wait. You froze and I lost a lot of, uh, and now you're just coming back chuckling like a weirdo. What, what were you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> I was quoting a line from the ambulance and then... You, you're just happily talking talking to yourself while I... Okay, so you froze for like 30 seconds. So um, what I was saying was, um, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Go, go from... You're just holding your face in this way that looked frozen, like move occasionally. <laughs> it just looked like you've been hit on the head with a hammer. Yeah. Um, the... Um, the rules of this list are is films that we think could do with a remake. It's not really in a chronological, you know, there's no qualitative list. So it's not like, I don't think we're listing them by necessarily the order in which we think they, of it, the order of importance. But I think that um, uh, the rules of this list are, we are obviously assuming that the remake of this these films is going to be good. So, you know, um, and uh, and we can talk a little bit about what our ideas would be. So like, without further ado, why don't we, Look at the list. So at number 10 is the Glenn Ford film noir movie directed by Fritz Lang, The Big Heat. Yeah. So you'll probably be surprised that I submitted this as an idea um, because The Big Heat is a perfect crime film from the 1950s. One of my favorite um, films. Yeah, same. And um, it's got brilliant performances from Gloria Graham and Lee Marvin and Glenn Ford. Um, and it's got uh, Jocelyn Brando in it. It's a brilliant kind of revenge and, you know, corruption story. It's got, you know, real violence in there and real kind of grit. Um, and yet I feel that because it's a strong IP, as you said, and it's got a great title, right? Yeah, I feel like this would be right for a meme. Now you could do that in one of two ways, right? You could either say, okay, we're going to update it to now, or you could do like a sort of 
uh, 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 going back, you know, kind of LA confidential gangster squad style. Everyone goes back and puts on hats and smokes cigarettes things, which you actually could do, could be you really could do what You could do what Guillermo del Toro did with Nightmare Alley and just do that. Exactly. Which and is a I good film. That's a, that's a very good remake, by the way. Very good film. Oh, okay. Um, so, so there you go. So, that, so, that, so that's, that's, that's your, uh, there's your idea. And I feel, I feel like, you know, going back to um, look at these films in a more sort of, you know, to look at the plot in a way that uh, complicates the picture a little bit more, you know, adding more stuff about gender, for example, or about race, you know, there's no, um, you know, this is a very, very white movie, and yet it's a film about urban crimes. Like, so could we perhaps introduce some nuance into that story? Um, you know, you could still have, um, you could still have the basic plot line, and uh, and I think you could bring in some great because uh, you know, the characters are so strong. Like Lee Marvin's character, for example. You know, people. Yeah. Be, I, mean, I can imagine Tom Hardy just like elbowing people out of the way so he can get that part. You know. Yeah, he could be pretty good. Who would play, who would play the Glenn Ford character? Um. Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know who. Yeah, because Glenn Ford is like quintessential. Like, who's an upstanding, uh, morally sort of unimpeachable feeling actor of our time? I mean, I know who. Like, if if was if this was being made, actually, they'd probably just cast fucking Matt Damon or something. But like, yeah, or, or, or Ben Affleck, you know, just like square jawed American prick. Um, but I I feel like someone a bit more rumpled and a bit more um kind of um a bit a bit rough around the edges could 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 work just as well as maybe someone who's been doing um you know more tv um Brian like, Cranston. I, I want... he's too old it needs too to be old. someone <laughs> too old to begin the training uh it needs to be someone uh, you know who, what were the 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 boba fett um no not uh, uh, uh boba fett um what, what's his name the, the mandalorian the mandalorian pedro pascal pedro pascal he could do it yeah, he could do pretty well. Yeah, he yeah. could be pretty good. I love this. We're sitting. It's like back to oh, what about that Pascal kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like his style. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Tamara Morrison, and then you'd have like a New Zealand cop in LA. That'd be interesting. And then, and then I think you could have a really good, um, you'd have really good fun casting the Gloria Graham character, and then you could also you could make room there. I think for some diversity, so have um that person you know be uh, a woman of color or, or or you know a non-white um person i think would be would be good to have so anyway we'll have a lot of fun with that but the big heat you know fundamental thing is like an honest cop uh he goes after the baddies they 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 kill his wife he gets even more angry and he has to kind of take them on in this one man way and he gets help from the mistress of one of the bad guys lee marvin right so it's like i feel like there's lots of stuff in there and, and, it, and in the 50s you know the moral picture is so black and white no pun intended and i feel like now you could complicate that in the era of like debating the role of police in our society and so on so yeah so i, I think there's there's a lot to, to get into there anyway the big hit yeah. so at number nine is the one of uh, Sam Peckinpah's early films with uh, Charlton Heston, Richard Harris. No, Strother Martin's not in the film. I always confuse the fact that Strother Martin's in the film, but he's not. He's played by some other other guy who's not Strother Martin. Uh, ben Johnson, Warren Oates, Major James Dundee. Coburn. James Coburn, yeah. yes. So yeah, Major Dundee is a nutcase of a film. It's about a group of... It's about an... Uh, um, there's an attack by uh, Apache, um, uh, 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 you know, warriors uh, on a ranch, uh, and they run off with the, you know, the, the white children, uh, and the local cavalry are tasked to sort of get them back and 
you know, smite the native people. Um, and uh, the, the commander, Charlton Heston, decides he's going to get a bunch of Confederates, because this is during the Civil War, out of prison, and together with uh, some local um, uh, ne'er-do-wells, some black troops who are guarding the prison, and these Confederates, they're all going to bind together and go into Mexico, where the French are currently uh, roaming around in search of the Apache and these white children. And it's like, what could possibly go wrong? And it's like, you know, and it really, it really is a complete... Uh, um, not you know as I say it's a complete basket case of a film and it feels a little bit unhinged and that's good it's also a bit one has to be honest it's a bit flabby and it's a bit like you can tell that the, the shoot was a complete chaos and I think that genuinely you could I think you should change the title because Major Dundee sounds like Crocodile Dundee now so it, it would be a bit like confusing for people expecting Paul Hogan to be uh, maybe in charge of this but you know I feel like the idea of put, pitting together um, a story that involves, um, you know, uh, the Mexican people, that involves Native people, that involves Black people and racist white people on two sides of the same uh, coin could be really interesting in today's uh, climate. Plus, great shoot, shootouts and uh, battle scenes. Um, you know, lots of outdoor. I mean, come on, man! Can you imagine? You can imagine this being directed by like, ah, oh, fuck! Like, who's the guy who did Helen High Water? Um, oh um, uh, no, Taylor Sheridan wrote the screenplay for it, but it was uh, oh, what's his name? I'll try and find out the name for uh, the guy who directed. What, tell you what I want, actually. What I what I want is um, I want uh, Taylor Sheridan to write the screenplay to do the yeah. treatment, and then I want this to be directed by Tommy Lee Jones. What do you think? Yeah, I can see that. And have Tommy Lee Jones play the, the character or one of the characters. No, no, he's too, he's too old, too old. We have to, Tommy Lee Jones, you know who he should play? Who? Some old dude that they meet somewhere. He should just have a cameo. Maybe get Sam Elliott in there as well. Yeah, yeah, just have some old dude. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, you should you should have your you know your normal kind of rogue gallery of young American actors probably. Yeah, um, I mean, it can e- I mean, easily know. a remake of like that could easily turn into like The Revenant or something like that. Oh yeah, but fucking hell, it would be even if it was a disaster, it would be very fun to watch it unfold. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, but it, this is also, I think, we should say encourage this is, should also encourage people to go and watch the original uh because yes you can actually order the blu-ray of major dundee off the arrow film website because it's just been remastered better than getting it on amazon yes uh what's at number eight so at number eight is um i like vincent price i think you're also a fan of vincent price as well yes <laughs> vincent <laughs> price <laughs> what uh, film should you remake uh so yeah. the film that remake i one of my films will you um yes yeah. carry on so the one of the films that i really think could easily translate well into modern day is the 1973 film uh theater of blood which is uh directed by douglas hickox who um, directed Zulu Dawn and was uh, and, which and everyone w- will have fucking heard of <laughs> and uh, and was married to Anne Coates, who was the editor on Shakespeare. No, not Shakespeare in Love. Uh, Lawrence in Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. Did I say Lawrence in Arabia? In Arabia. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. So yeah, Theatre of Blood. He he plays an actor called um, Edward Kendall Sheridan Lionheart. <laughs> 
who's like he gets humiliated by all these critics of the, the theater critics guild and he then commits suicide by jumping into the thames and everyone thinks he's dead but then like he's he's you know he's not dead spoilers and then he comes back two years later and then he starts to kill all the critics one by one but being inspired by deaths that happen in Shakespeare's plays, like in Julius Caesar, where he gets stabbed a lot. And then like in Titus Andronicus, where some characters are fed in pie or are cooked into a pie and fed to their mother. There's like a bit like that in the film. Um, so yeah, you could, that, that could easily translate very well, given how the whole, like, you know, the, the relationship between critics and audiences and, things like that these days and actors as well well and i was thinking just when you were talking got me thinking about social media oh yeah, yeah. you know what, what if you what if you really went baroque with this and was like he's gonna go after every single person who liked a bad review of his or something or like who who tweeted something mean um and it could get really kind of like spooky and digital yeah I like exactly that. i mean I, I like the fact that you take the basic vincent price concept and um and it's a bit like, because one of the areas where I feel like, at least I don't watch a lot of them because I'm a scaredy cat, but I feel like there are good remakes these days are of horror films, like that Invisible Man remake and, and so on. Yeah, I mean, you take the Invisible Man idea, but then you put it into a sort of Me Too story. And I think that makes it very topical and also incredibly scary when like this, you know, Elizabeth Moss is trying to get people to understand that her ex-husband who was quite abusive who apparently is dead is alive and is invisible and is ruining her life and it's an extremely terrifying movie yeah so so i feel like you know horror films are uh quite robust uh in terms of um the potential for um remakes so um yeah i love the sound of this i love the sound of some um uh actor going on a on a faking their death and going on a rampage because of bad reviews i mean there's and i feel like there would be so much stuff around yeah, uh, internet toxicity and things that you could re really dig into there. Uh, yeah, I like. It. Yeah, I also recommend watching the film because it is one of Vincent Price's oh, best films. Man, as soon as you mentioned the character's name, I was just like, I'm on board. I'm going to watch this. Yeah, uh, and where, also, where, where can I find it? Do you have it? Uh, I do have it on DVD, but you can also buy the Blu-ray. I think is also on Am uh, on Arrow. They also have a bunch of Vincent Price movies on there. Love Arrow films. Okay, um, what's uh, number seven? Oh, oh, this is my choice. This is my choice. Um, so, uh, basically, I like history, and I read a lot about the history of the Second World War. And I, as a result, have watched a lot of Second World War films. And there's often a correlation between the history being really, really interesting and the film being really, really crap. So, for example, The Darkest Hour, the Winston Churchill movie, is about one of the most interesting and exciting. Um, parts of British political and social and military history, and they turn it into a complete and utter pie. And um, and so, and there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of just like really, really interesting history that's made into poor films. So uh, one of, and one of the most notable examples of this, and I'm sure anyone out there in uh, World War II film nerd land will be uh, heartily, uh, you know, raising their beer steins at this suggestion, is the Battle of the Bulge, which uh, should have been a great epic war movie in the spirit of like the battle of Britain or the longest day or bridge too far. And instead it's just this like hulking, um, like never really gets off the ground beast that completely falls under its own weight and bears no relation to the real exciting events of the time. Um, 
And uh, despite the fact that it has Robert Shaw playing a German like bad guy and it has Telix Savalas and it has Henry Fonda and Charles Bronson and all these other people in it. It's still terrible. And one of the one of the most egregious moments is when the, I don't know what the fuck they ran out of snow budget or something, but they decided to film a tank battle in what is clearly the California or Nevada desert. I think, I think they shot they, taking place in Belgium. <laughs> it, I think the movie was shot in Spain. Right. Okay. So it looks uh, whatever. First of all, there were no tank battles like the ones depicted. And secondly of all, it was supposed to be snowing. And it's not, there are so many problems with it. Um, all of the characters are made up. It's all complete nonsense. And um, I feel like if you're going to make one classic like World War II battle film, um, I would I would do the Battle of the Bulge and I would fill it with all kinds of people. I would have, I do, I would definitely put Kurt Vonnegut in there as a character. Uh, because he was captured during the Battle of the Bulge. I would do the whole, you know, um, the, the the band of brothers thing where they're surrounded at Baston. I would have all the generals yelling at each other. You know, you'd have the old actors, cast the old actors as generals yelling at each other, being like, I tell you, general, you have to, blah, blah, blah. you know, and it's just, uh, and then, you know, have lots of like big things and then people, you know, be like, big, big chainsaw what? hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like all the pity of war, all the... Yeah. the and you know it could it could be great and then yeah, germans and real germans not robert shaw <laughs> yeah get actual germans playing the characters like they yeah, did not people saying i'd be like we should invade belgium uh, no it would yeah, be yeah i mean uh, did you ever watch that that hitler assassination attempt film valkyrie no i didn't because i was worried it was going to be not good. It's really weird. It's one of the, it's it had the set it had the like hunt for the red October problem. It's like they start speaking like there's a moment in the beginning of the film where there's like a voiceover of Tom Cruise speaking German, and then it meshes into English, and then it's English for the rest of the movie. It's like in the hunt for the yeah. red October where they're speaking Russian, and then at one point they just start speaking English, and then they're just speaking English for the rest of the movie. That's fine. The hunt for red October is a great film. We're not remaking the Hunt for October. Don't worry, people, um, because uh, but 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 um, but I, I I yeah, it's it's clumsy. Like, why not just make it as a German film? I don't know. And also, I yeah, it's like sometimes they don't make good choices. Maybe the Battle of the Bulge should be remade. Maybe we shouldn't be making films about World War Two. I don't know. Anyway, that's just one of the ones that I felt uh, could stand it, and I'm sure there are many strange men on the internet who would agree with me um number six should we talk about number six because that's also one of the ones i suggested yeah so number six is a mini series and that is son of the morning star which is about the little bighorn and general custer and everything sort of leading up to that basically and it was one of our favorite things that we watched when we were little yeah yeah i mean so um I mean, Son of the Morning Star. Obviously, there have been other Custer movies. Uh, there's one called The Great Sioux Massacre. There's one called Custer of the West with our old friend Robert Shaw uh, playing Custer, which is actually hilariously entertaining, if also, you know, bonkers. Um, you and, think he turned um, into a bird? You don't think a man could turn into a bird, do you? Uh, no. Um, the, the Son of the Morning Star was quite good. Uh, the miniseries, the, or the... I mean, it's basically a long, it's a two-part TV movie, right? With Gary Cole as Custer and Rodney A. Grant as Crazy Horse. This is Horse. a victory! <laughs> I mean, I still, there's that bit where they, it happens a couple of times, I where someone like, it's like outside his tent and they're like, General Custer, so he says, I am awake! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, 
still do that as well. I still do that as well. It was uh, the film, the the miniseries was written by uh, Melissa Matheson, who wrote the screenplay for E.T. and was married to Harrison Ford. Well, now. Um, I didn't know. I, I did not know that. Um, the, it, I just, as I say, it's quite good. I, I think it's obviously it's it's it feels very TV movie-ish. That's the thing. I feel like we need a good western that also is not patronizing to native peoples. And I think you could do this story where it's you know almost you could do a majority native narrative and have Custer kind of more on the fringes, and really make this about how the the this the, the the coming together of native peoples that that allows them to have the requisite numbers to defeat Custer sort of happens and the and the various kind of cultural uh, discussions that they're having I think that could be really interesting to do and have yeah. um, you know and actually have a film which is you know centered around them where the white people are on the fringes and and the threat you know they're the thing that's coming in from the outside to threaten their civilization not the other way around. Um, so I feel like that could, you know, set a few, uh, correct a few uh, things that have, you know, uh, been problems down the years, and also be a be a um, uh, a show, a, 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 you know, a it could show off the the talent of of indigenous actors and and filmmakers and so on potentially, and and so I feel like if you really centered the that the native experience and the heart of the story, you could you could do something good with it, and. Um, and then you just have a bunch of really cool battle scenes at the end, you know? Um, yeah. I, I also think they should have the beginning, because you know that Nathaniel Philbrick book about Sitting Bull and Custer? Because like at the beginning of the book, it starts off with him hunting a buffalo on a horse, on his horse. And then, for, and then it's described where like the horse hits like a rock and then it jerks. And then as he's about to shoot the buffalo, it, his, it, he, he points down and shoots his horse in the back of the head. And I just thought that was such a, like an interesting metaphor for the entire, you know, this this whole that whole his whole career and what Custer was trying to do. I feel like that should be the beginning scene of that film. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the thing because you don't want to end up accidentally making like a Custer biopic, and that's the thing. If I was pitching this film, and all the producers are like, "Oh, great, we'll get someone to play Custer," it's like, no, 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 Custer is a symbol of the white oppressor but this has to be from the, the the native point of view and so yeah you should have that but then you should also make sure that there are that 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 is seen in kind of a you know that the, the context for that scene is 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 consistent with the rest of the film anyway we can yeah. talk about this when we eventually write this movie but um no, but just i always thought that that was such an interesting way to yeah, if, no, they were, if they were ever going to do a custard film that should be the opening scene. And like you well, said, and let's should... be honest, you could also do a Custer biopic because his life is very interesting in that it is this kind of violent, over-the-top American life. You know, it is, he, he is kind of a, a quintessential American character, you know, a, 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 a militarist, a racist, a, a self-promoter, you know, all of this, an imperialist, you know, all of this stuff. So, yeah, um, that would certainly have its... Uh, have its place within it but um yeah i feel like yeah i feel like we should have we should have more um more good westerns and and that's uh you know you do you need a hell of a budget to do a film like this properly but um it could be done and you'd have to i mean you'd need you'd need so 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 many people involved who really knew what they were doing in terms of native languages cultures customs etc i mean that's that would have to be a prerequisite for making any movie about um 
about First Nations or Indigenous people in the 19th century, let alone a film about one of their most high profile victories against the Americans. So, yeah, why are you looking at your phone? In I, was the middle getting, of- <laughs> I was getting the phone ready because we're going into the, 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 the second, well, the middle part of the episode where we read out what people have said about what they what film would they would like to see remade oh that's why okay yeah fair enough okay well yeah. that's, that's well, what what are the what are the punters have to say yeah so on second watch podcast at osw podcast one they tweeted batman but batman. then wrote, but then wrote but in all seriousness i'd like to see something like chitty chitty bang bang redone with without it being a musical and more PG thirteen, that's interesting. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that's very interesting. But mm, I just make as as long as we can keep some of the songs, then oh, I'm on board. You. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, we love you. Yes. Um. So yeah, but I do. The child catcher could be very fucking scary in the in the in the remake of Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah, who would you get for the child catcher? Hmm. Who is the scary? Honestly, if he was still alive, I'd do Michael K. Williams. Um, like the Omar version of the child catcher. Oh, yeah. Uh, or who's really scary? Uh, Tony Collette. Tony Collette could oh, do the Tony Collette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be yeah, brilliant yeah. at it. <laughs> it was like, I am your mother. <laughs> Come on, don't get your lollipops. Uh, yeah, okay. It'd be uh, very, very extreme. Yeah. <laughs> Who would play the uh, Dick Van Dyke character? Um, um, yeah, you need someone a little goofy, don't you? Well, in essence, it's this the PG thirteen version. Um, but I don't know. Who Ryan, else Reynolds. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. No, fuck up. Ryan Reynolds. Really? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yes, Paul Rudd. Yeah. yeah. Come on, he could do. He could do that. Hands down. Okay. Who else is written in? So at James One, James C Wand. Sorry if I'm saying your uh, name, uh, your Twitter handle name wrong. Uh, he wrote AI, a proper dystopian Pinocchio with robots, but darker than Spielberg's take. Actually, maybe being something a little bit more similar to maybe what Kubrick was going to do with that film. I has a great suggestion. Yeah, it's a good film, but it's I don't know, maybe a bit bloated. I feel like maybe Spielberg just takes it a little bit too far, where it gets into a bit like Spielberg's, you know, softy kind of. I don't know, not as because I feel like I mean it was him trying to do Kubrick, but like you know, still being in that kind of like happy kind of go lucky kind of Spielbergian kind of way. Uh, yeah, it's not really a success. Is it? I completely agree with the idea of remaking that. What else have we got? Uh, so Andrew uh, Nocasey of the uh, Dear Bastard podcast, he wrote, I can't say, I can't say Dear Bastard podcast without going Dear Bastard. <laughs> it's it's so difficult not what to. What does it's, Andrew have to? What does he have to say for himself? Uh, he wrote Xanadu in, uh, it, it, but it went exclamation point at the end. I have no idea what he's talking about. Xanadu is, I mean, Xanadu is obviously a terrible movie, but it's a, it's one of those so bad it's good things. Like, how would you ever want? How could you ever do that again? Uh, I, I don't know. You, Maybe okay. like having it as like some weird like reboot sequel kind of thing, like spiritual sequel, and then having Olivia Newton John somehow involved in the movie. I guess that could be the way oh, to now go. You're talking. 
Yeah, I, I think that could be the way to go. Yeah, if it was full of like really niche cultural references and like callbacks to the original, that could be. And if it was made, if it was kind of made with this kind of knowing, winking kind of um, yeah sense of like this is this is terrible, um, and we know it's terrible kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, what else does he say? Does it is that it? No, no, that was it. That was it. Okay. Um, there's a really funny quote from Michael Beck, who was an actor in the film. He was also in The Warriors, which yes, I think I is know the one you're going. I know the one you're going to say, but go ahead. Yeah, he said like The Warriors opened a lot of doors for me, and then Xanadu closed them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I think with <laughs> I mean he was so good at Warriors, and then after Xanadu, everything just kind of went to shit for him. <laughs> Which is uh, sometimes always the case. And the last one on uh, Instagram was Matthew Holsworth. He wrote, Who? Matt. I know, I'm just joking. I, used, I was married to the guy, for God's sake. Uh, he wrote a Tom Ford remake of The Third Man. Fuck off, Matt. <laughs> Shut up, idiot. <laughs> um yeah no that's a that honestly the reason i have such a reaction to that is i could totally imagine thing that imagine that happening with fucking colin firth and and and, and you know, match. it would be exactly oh god i can so see that honestly i feel like we might just be manifesting it by talking about it no i'm not having that not for a fucking second yeah. tom ford remake of the third man give me a fucking break he is a good um, director he should do another film of course he is just I, I, I can't believe matt is reaching out to troll us on our own podcast what is going on uh elsewhere on social media uh that was pretty much it that's all we had Oh, Jesus Christ. Do better, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should we uh, give off a few honourable mentions? Uh, the thing is, there's not, it's not really honourable mentions on this one. Okay, fine. Um, dishonourable mentions. Well, well no, it's because like, it's not really a list. We're not really ranking stuff. We're really just having a kind of theoretical conversation. I will... I do have to name and shame some of your completely bonkers suggestions, though. Um, so you said that you would like to remake The Breakfast Club, despite one of our followers saying you specifically, we were not supposed to say The Breakfast Club. Um, so there's some weird reverse psychology going on there. You also said, and I cannot believe this, that you think that, that a remake should be done of whatever happened to Baby Jane. And when I questioned you about this offline, asking if you'd had some kind of stroke or mental episode, you said, <laughs> Couldn't you picture it, I'm quoting you, with Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore? What the living shit is going on in your mind that you think an iconic film that is a singular piece of crazy camp American horror starring two of the most iconic actresses of the time who also hated each other, by the way. How can you even ever remake that with two of the nicest women in the history of cinema? You could do like a real powerhouse movie of that. You could, they could no, be... you couldn't. The original <laughs> is a powerhouse movie, you absolute steaming pile of moron. It's just... <laughs> like you were trying to find like a word to use. It was like, you, you, you moron. <laughs> yeah, you human paraquad. You, yeah. Uh, you, it's just, no, 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 that, so I just had to, I just had to throw that in there. You did have some good horror suggestions and we've already talked about some of the, um, you know, some other crap films like that Churchill movie. And, um, uh, you know, and I also mentioned Oliver Stone's Nixon, but I feel like that's still a pretty good movie. So. Yeah. 
We did also write The Shining, but then again, that they've already done Doctor Sleeps. So there's no real point of, of yeah, that. Yeah, you can't do that. And I'd put down Napoleon, but now um, but now Oliver, wait, no, Ridley, Scott. Ridley Scott, yeah, Ridley. with um, Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Well, well, well. Um, shall we continue making our way up the list? Yes. Uh, where is it? There it is. So at number five is um, was it Edward Dimitri Dimitri that directed this? Um, Crossfire? Yes, it was. I think it was Eddie Dimitri who directed Crossfire. So it's a post-war film about um, what was it about? <laughs> Anti-Semitism. Oh yes, of course. I thought well. Yeah, because I think originally... originally originally it was going to be about homosexuality, but then they changed it to anti-Semitism. And right. I think if you were going to do a remake of it, I think you could take the theme of maybe taking aspects of homophobia and maybe or adding in like racism or anything like that. You could do something like that. Well, you'd want to do one or the other, wouldn't you? I mean, so yeah. it's, it's three soldiers who come back from the war. They're traumatized. One of them kills a jewish person that they meet uh when they're you know carousing on the town or whatever and then the film is about the investigation to find out you know who done it of the three soldiers uh and he's obviously robert ryan um but um you know it's great it's a great film it's got robert ryan robert mitchum robert young the three roberts uh gloria graham one of her first big roles um you know, and it's a really great atmospheric film noir, but I feel like it lacks a certain power because even though anti-Semitism was a real problem in America, in the, across the world in the 1940s, and especially after the war, there were a lot of people who felt that the Jews were somehow to blame, you know, in this perverse way um, for the conflict. So I don't want to say this to minimize anti-Semitism, but I do feel like the film, the film is trying to be a film about prejudice that it doesn't quite go the, the it, it feels like it's limiting itself because of the hollywood politics of the time and of the cold war and stuff it's not going it's not really pushing the boat out there's a sort of lecture at the end about like oh my dad was irish and someone killed him because he was irish and it's like it's not it's like they need we need more you know we need to have more of an examination of like the rot at the core of yeah american society you know there was another film that was around this that was released around the same time and actually did win quite a few oscars i believe uh best director and best uh oh yeah best director and best picture and that was gentleman's agreement the alia uh, kazan film which is about uh gregory peck who plays a journalist who who you know goes undercover as a jewish person to write an uh, a to write a, a, an article about anti-semitism in america and sees it firsthand yeah it's interesting because um Again, that film doesn't go as far with it as as it could have done. Yeah, it, 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 it's also interesting that Edward Dimitrik, who did Crossfire, was a victim of um, the McCarthyism, whereas Elia Kazan actually, you know, named names. Yeah, and um, Nick Nolte was one of the people at the Oscars who didn't clap for him when he got his honorary award. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting moment, isn't it? Um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, I think Crossfire is a great, a great shout. I feel like more, and now that Nightmare Alley has happened, it'd be interesting to see how many more of these 40s film noirs, not the third man, get remade um, in, the, in the coming years. Yeah. I could see Crossfire being one. Yeah, I could I could definitely see it. I think you could, there's definitely another aspect of that film that you can explore and take it a little bit further than 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 the original yeah, I think film did. Probably, they, you know, for now, you'd probably say you'd want to do it either about... Yeah, homophobia, or I would say 
just to really hammer the point home, I'd say it would, it, you should do it about um, anti-black racism because there was so there were so many incidents of violence between white and black soldiers at that time, and the army was segregated at that time. So, mm. yeah. anyway, uh, what's at number four? So at number four is uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, which um, is one of Audrey Hepburn's like iconic roles as Holly Goat Lightly, but it does have Mickey Rooney playing an Asian guy. And like in the most awful racist way in 1963, really, it's like this should never have happened. But by God, by the 1960s, people must should have known better. I think he actually like when when this happened, he was like trying to like he. he I think he was f- throwing blame at um, the director and said like it was his idea and all this sort of stuff. I was just taking orders from him. You know, you know, sort of throwing Blake Edwards under the bus a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it's not great, is it? I mean, it's really, it's really fucking problematic, and it and it makes it it makes those scenes pretty much unwatchable. The other problem I have is that the film is also deprived of the element of sort of melancholy and seediness that I think is in the novella, because you yeah, know, she is a poor girl after all. It's not really made abundantly clear in the in the movie, which really depicts her as more of a like sort of socialite yeah socialite on a budget you know that's as a, a kind of cre- creative and 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 spunky and um uh you know kind of live uh, fast living kind of uh yeah uh, holly go lightly you know it's uh, taking the name very literally but not in, not injecting any kind of complication into that and um yeah, because she's I, like uh, a Phil- she's a you know she has connected you know she's connected to the mob in that in the in the book and you know and the you know spoiler alerts for the people who haven't read the book they don't end up at, together at the end of the at the end of it you know they don't right. they don't have they don't have a it's, kiss in the rain it's with a, a really with a, with tame fucking cat. <laughs> cat yeah it's a really tame rom com really at the end of the day I feel like the film is famous because of her in that dress and. I don't think honestly I think a lot of people who claim to really love this film either haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a long time because I just I I find it quite dull yeah I mean I I I had watched it because I I remember we had it on VHS because we had like four Audrey Hepburn films on VHS it was like Breakfast at Tiffany's uh Roman Why holiday. do you think, Anders, Anders, can I stop you? Why do you think people care about what films we had on VHS in the movies? You, you almost every podcast recite the contents of the various box sets that we own. I just, just... If, not, if, if you do care, write it. Stop. <laughs> Fucking hell. Prove me wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> no, but I was just like, I never, we never, I never finished it as a, as, as a child. And, and then I watched it because it was on Netflix and I watched it with my girlfriend. And um, it, every time when like Mickey Rooney was on scene, I just, is it, it, like, he it, it was on, he was in the film. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. But like every time when he goes like that whole like Asian, that shtick, which is very hard to watch. And I was just sitting there just going like, oh, this is really bad. How the hell did they think that they could get away with that in that time? It's so well, they could. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah I know. Could. But it's just like it, the, the makeup as well and the oh, way that no, he's... Th- I know. I, oh, Jesus. But also, it re- I feel like, I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 I mean, also like... the 
I feel like with that film, it may have led into sort of this idea of like Asian characters being the butt end of a lot of jokes and a lot of films like afterwards, like a lot of stereotypes and kind of maybe came out of that. Yeah, it goes into our own time. We look at the Hangover movies. They're full of Asian stereotypes. Uh, um, There's even that that in that scene in Ted where the Asian neighbor comes into the party with the duck and then Flash Gordon, or not, not Flash Gordon. Is it Flash Gordon? Yeah, no. Flash Gordon. Yeah, it is Flash Gordon. What like the actor it? playing Flash Gordon, Sam Jones picks a fight with him because he, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's a lot of that. And I feel like, yeah, the, the, the way that certain films get unquestioningly held up as like classics uh, without anyone ever sort of saying, well, hang on a minute, should we be holding this up as one of the great movies of all time? Like we can all agree on Wizard of Oz, but is Gone with the Wind really, the you know, a, a great example of like Hollywood at its best? Is Breakfast at Tiffany's? Is, you know, so yeah. I will throw another film. And, and the fact that it's not, I mean, even if it was if it was a great movie that had this offensive character in it, that would be one thing. But the fact that it's not really a great film either. It's it's quite boring. Yeah. I mean, it's fine yeah. for what it is. It's nothing. I mean, it's yeah, it's <clears> not, <throat> it's not Audrey Hepburn's best. If you were gonna like watch something with that with her, I would, you know, pick something like Wait Until Dark or Charade or you know, or Roman Holiday or one of those movies. Yeah, funny face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, funny face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, we ha- I, uh, what we have to move on because I yeah. um, I'm getting to the end of my um, allotted time. Um, so, so yeah, at number three because I feel like a lot of live action Disney films are being made. So why not take you know take something that it you know that wasn't that was already perfect. Like sorry, I'm getting a bit muddled in my words here. So there's been Aladdin, which was really bad. Guy Ritchie directed that, and then there's been Dumbo and Mulan and all these other things. Like taking a lot of Disney films that were great classics as animated films. And then just doing them in live action and then taking away, you know, ruining them. ruining them and taking away all the personality of them and stuff like that. Lion King was just basically the same film, but just done with, you know, visual effects and, you know, real life animals that didn't have any like personality on their faces. Looked great. Just basically the same film, but just with, you know, higher definition. You know, why don't you take something that was maybe a little bit like, you know, like Tron that was a bit like a little goofy and you know, kooky and, you know, they did the sequel and everything like that, but maybe take something like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and make something yeah. like that. That could be a really cool film, like underwater, like epic movie. And I, re- I think at one point, David Fincher was going to direct the remake. Oh, that would be brilliant. Yeah, we do, and we've got James Mason um, as a, but yeah, I mean, James Mason is a great Captain Nemo. Um, and obviously the film's got Peter Lorre in it. Uh, and then, yeah, the Kirk Douglas singing to the seal stuff. There's a lot of like real kind of mid-century Disney flab in that film. And, but it's a really cool idea. I, and I really, um, uh, you know, and I like the fact that they changed it from the novel because in the novel, Nemo is kind of benevolent. And in this film, he's, you know, uh, a kind of, you know, he's, he's a bit of a Bond villain, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and it's like take do that like take d- d- steampunk like get us get a get a really cool steampunk submarine and a bunch of awesome character actors and shove them under the water and get the squid like proper proper like cgi awesome looking squid get some sharks in there get some fucking we'll, we'll come to that in a second uh get some um you know get some really great uh like um uh, sailing ship sinking action yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. all that all that shit like i mean it, it could be so much fun yeah you can um, definitely do that i mean do it like you know you could disney out of it take all the like as i say all the goofy nonsense like we don't need that we want we want adventure and daring i mean this is like look at this you could you could also inject into it like i don't know, inject why did i say inject put into the film um 
a kind of a nascent environmental narrative that could yeah. be kind of interesting um because that's in the books i mean well that's in the book and in, in the original so in the in the disney uh, version of it so um yeah i i am i think this is a i think i would i would definitely go to the cinema to watch Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea you fucking kidding yeah here's my choice for captain nemo ben mendelson oh yeah die he'd be great as nemo uh, yeah he'd be yes, really good he would he would be really good Oh my goodness! Are we maybe it would be worth doing a CGI recreation of Peter Lorre just for fun, though. That could be fun. Just like the the, the Peter Cushing thing from Rogue One. I don't know. Oh yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You may fire when ready. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so at number two is uh, Doctor Shivago. I still haven't seen Doctor Shivago. Well, it's in you see. So uh, great book romantic epic of russian post-war fiction was was not stalin was not a fan you know pasternak i think had to flee the country i'm not sure exactly but um you know source material is fantastic it's a wonderful love story and it's a, it takes place on an epic canvas of of revolution and war uh in in russia for god's you know of all places russia um now uh, Russia is quite problematic now, so we can't go to Russia to make this film. Probably shouldn't make it in the Russian language. So do it in English. Film it somewhere where there's snow, Canada or something, and do uh, and Canada. Do, <laughs> Canada. <laughs> do, and do a Norway. Do, you can film it in Norway. Norway, yeah. Do it in Norway, and just like fill it with all these Euro trash actors, and just do the thing again, and just do it a little bit better than David Lean managed. I think he was slightly believing his own hype at that point. But you know, it is that thing of you know young guy gets married and he falls hopelessly in love with a woman who's not his wife who's also had a really hard time at the hands of you know nasty people in moscow and then there's revolution there's there's cossacks cutting people down in the street there's the first world war they meet in the first world war you know it's like it's such a great story the way it all pans out and it all doesn't work you know there's so much unhappiness at the end of it and it's like god there's material in there uh for um for a modern treatment you know and you could you could make it a a bit less sanitized and and you know the fact in in, in the original like uh uh Geraldine Chaplin and, and Julie Christie just looks straight out of the 1960s it just takes you out of the movie completely um but um you know it, yeah just just chuck a bunch of money chuck a bunch of names at it make it sure the direction and the cinematography is good I mean you could do build a lot of really cool looking Russian sets and then film them with the light and the uh you, you know where they could actually go for that they could go to somewhere like um you know Estonia or or, or, or Slovakia or somewhere and and do some get some great um Russian looking architecture of course I, I think the like Eastern European architecture crowd are going to be after me now being like hey, how could you possibly compare Slovakian architecture to Russian anyway and, uh, um, they don't sound British Adam <laughs> I'd, um, but I um, I don't um, I have no doubt that Hollywood could have a lot of fun um, making another ham-fisted attempt to adapt this film um, but I, I think it would be worth the try yeah or you know do it as a miniseries. Could either do it like that. Well, that's the thing. Then I think it should be done as a long film. That's my opinion. I yeah. think it should be a long movie because this it's too tempting to do these miniseries. And there was a miniseries recently of um, a BBC miniseries of War and Peace that didn't really get off the ground. And yeah, you know, I heard it wasn't the as good. The great, the great Russian literature is like, I think probably most of the good adaptations are are done in Russia. 
um, is the mm-hmm. is the sad, you know, or in the Soviet Union before the fall of the wall and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, uh, I would still think it would be a great try, you know, great to do it as a film, you know, just like history writ large, and people might be interested now because of the you know Russia being in the news so much. Um, yeah, uh, of course the original is quite anti-communist, but that. Uh, I probably wouldn't stop people now. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, people would be pretty on board with it. I guess I don't know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, people aren't uh, a huge yeah. fan of Russia right now. No, that's true. That's true. That's what it means. I think yeah. I think there's a topicality there. I wonder, just looking at our list, like I wonder how many of these will actually come to fruition in the next, like, let's say, ten years. I bet one of them will. One of them could. I would, you know, I mean, they were trying to do twenty thousand leagues under the sea for like a really long time. I could see that them doing that at some point yeah that could easily do it yeah i have a i have a suspicion that 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 you might be right there or or, um anyway we've reached number one right (laughs) yeah we've reached number one so number one is yeah jaws it's jaws (laughs) right so before you go crazy everyone yeah before you get get, bring out your cancel culture cards out and stuff i don't think we're gonna get cancelled for saying that jaws should be remade look no one is no one is is it's is getting no one's getting no nothing is fucked no one is getting cancer it's just well the reason we decided to do this podcast is we were t- we were texting and we were saying wouldn't it be fun to do wouldn't it be fun if there was a um a black exploitation version of jaws from the 1970s like how yeah. how cool that would be With, yeah because um, because you sent me lalo uh Schiffer's, take on the jaws theme by john williams and i was just listening to it it's great it's off i can't remember the album but we can add it in the in the show description um it's really good um just have that on the soundtrack you know um you've got you know put put uh, pam greer in there put you know uh, ossie davis in there and do 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 a great thing but 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 i mean mean, ossie davis is dead no that's what i mean that's what i mean so that would have that's would have been if we were making it in the 1970s we're making it now, and so I would like to humbly ask Jordan Peele as his next thing to just remake Jaws. Not like a shot-for-shot remake or anything like that, but do it in that inimitable way he's done. Take, you know, he's he's already taken the um the psycho the sort of family psychodrama and he's done the you know he did us and he's done these films that feel like they're riffing on earlier films so like just go slightly closer to the source material and do jaws but do it for the do it for the 2020s you know do it for now bring in you know um uh you know it's it's also it's it's a great white shark oh come on you know um you know bringing that that uh, that brilliant you know ability he has subtlety is laid on very thick there. yeah no no but that, I, 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 he, he's got that amazing um gift for for, for for telling you know a story that has deeper meanings you know and yeah. i feel like uh i do feel like jaws could could be there and and, and so but, but here's you know getting away from the specifics it's a great film and, and iconic. Could we have a few more cool underwater shots? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Could we have a shark that doesn't look? It's a fake. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> I, I, I was just thinking about this. Like, you know who who could play the shark? Andy Circus. 
<laughs> him in a motion capture suit with a big head and everything. He can play the shark. Chuck him in the water, have him swim around. Yeah, get James Cameron to water. Cage in the water. Circus in the water. <laughs> get James Cameron to help out with all the underwater shots because they, you know, he put actors in for the all for the Avatar sequels and uh, did a lot of underwater shots there with motion capture suits and everything. And then I do still want the great. I want some of the great lines from the original, including "A oh, what?" <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite bit of the movie. Tiger Shark. A what? <laughs> yeah, and, it's such um, a great comedic cut where it goes from a what to the next like moment in that scene. I would love to have a, a good actor, obviously, to play Quint, and then I think you should, you know, diversify the cast a bit. Get some women in there. You could. I do think um, the Brody part could be maybe should be played by women, or, or maybe the Hooper should be one of them. Should be a woman, um, yeah. and. Um, uh, or maybe both. maybe maybe Sheriff Brody should be a woman. Maybe Quint should be a woman. Um, but um, but uh, but but you know. Anyway, I think I I think because again we started off this thing saying remakes are often really bad. But what if there was a really good remake of Jaws for the 2020s? One that brought it up to date, that introduced more effects, that made it just a little bit more spicy, and um, but but was also had loads of callbacks to the original. You cannot tell me that this film would not do well. You just it it would be a blockbuster beyond all blockbusters. It could work. People it could bring people to the cinemas because then it would be like, you guys remade Jaws. Oh my god, I gotta watch this movie just to see what it's like. And you just and you take you take the tagline. The only thing that's good about the Jaws sequels is you take the tagline and say just when you thought it was safe to get back in the water. Yeah. Come on. If you're listening, Hollywood, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure someone's trying to remake Jaws. I'm sure they have, because it's like... There's, someone's there's, always there's... trying to remake something, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're trying to remake Back to the Future or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah. yeah, we should do a list of like the films that should absolutely never be remade, and if they were, that they would end the universe. Back to the Future could be on that list. If anyone remade Back to the Future and they put in fucking Tom Holland or something like that, I would go around Hollywood just burning everything. <laughs> Wow, because um, I feel like because I, I feel threat, like so, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's like a fire start in Beverly Hills. I mean, really, are you going to talk about burning stuff in California? Oh yeah, that's true. Well, I'll just throw a brick at the wall or something like that. I have no idea. Just be like, don't remake this movie. Wall or just the wall. Just... Walls are made of bricks. You throw a brick through a window. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's not a hoodlum, sir. <laughs> no, I'm not a hoodlum. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Back to the Future is just one of those movies that just shouldn't be remade. It's just like an untouchable film. I mean, yeah, I mean, I always thought like The Exorcist was like an untouchable film, and now they're going to fucking like remake that as well. It's like, oh, yeah? God. Yeah, yeah, it's the guy who did um, David Gordon Green, who did all the new Halloween movies. They're going to do like an Exorcist uh, sequel. I think Ellen Burstyn is going to come back for that. Oh. And well, you know, this it's inevitable. Every film will be remade um at some point. But also um, the thing, if we like the shot by shot remake of Psycho, which Gus Van Sant did, when someone asked him why did you do that, especially after Goodwill Hunting, which was like a huge success for him, you know, being an indie filmmaker, and this was like his big break. And somebody asked him, was like, why did you remake Jaws? I mean, not, not Jaws, but why did you remake Psycho and do it shot by shot? And he said, because you know, so no one else could. What an ass! Um, <laughs> but it's yeah. like an, it, it just shows like an exercise of you know because it's basically it's 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 in color it's 
ex- it, it like it basically a shot by shot remake like every like aspect of the like of psycho is just done again in color with Vigo Mortensen, with Anne Hesch, with Vince Vaughn as Norman Bates, with the music and everything, with a few little tweaks here and there. But yeah, same script as well. It just shows that, yeah, it just, it just, it's just some, it, I think it was just his way of saying, like, just some remakes just don't work. This is like, if you just take a classic film and just do the same thing again, it's not going to work. And that was his way of doing told it. Him that. I could have told him that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, we have to go, but um, yes. this has been fun. Um, but yeah, and it's fun to it's fun to play with the idea. I do basically still think that remakes are something that we should try and avoid as we tell seek to tell new stories um, yeah. and, um, and and explore hitherto uncovered areas of the culture and history and literature and so on. So yeah, yeah. That's my I'm, view always, I'm always interested by the films that didn't get made or were close to getting made. Like I don't know, just that'd be an interesting mm. thing to talk about. Like looking at the films that were just like on the development you know line but never got you know cameras rolling yes Danny Kubrick's Napoleon yeah or like Michael Tremino's you know he wanted to do like an epic you know Native American movie done in the in in the Sioux language but then have it fucking brilliant that's basically what I've been advocating for with the this Custer thing anyway yeah we don't find um lots of movies uh we should talk about another top 10 soon um yeah I don't know what that's going to be, but I don't have time to figure it out now because I do have to go. So can we leave? Yes, yes. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at homesmoviespod. You can also send us an email at homesmoviespodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Fabricius91. Adam is the Northampton Dane. We're both on Instagram. Do follow us and uh, check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And uh, we're also in good pods. We're sort of crack climbing the ranks a little bit on that one which is nice um so do check us out there and uh, check out our other episodes um other uh, check out our other top tens also our recent godfather episode and also the alternative oscars we'll be doing them next year as well and um looking forward to seeing how we would have done things differently um yeah so that concludes this episode of uh, top 10 uh, top 10 uh, films that could be remade or should be remade or whatever you want to call it um yeah i've been anders holmes and i've been adam holmes your host <laughs> for this remake <laughs> well not really um, i think as you just demonstrated why uh, you should keep that job <laughs> thank you <laughs>